Hello, my name is Elle, and I put a French seam into a costume that is not meant for competition because masters. Welcome, Elle. <laughs> so I like how I was totally making Hikaru just for like shits and giggles, and then I do this overskirt and I serge it and I stitch it together, and then I'm like, mm, no. No, we're going to put a French seam on this, even though I really, really don't need to, because I don't think this costume is ever going to see a judging room. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> Both you and Sky Pirate have officially rubbed off on me, because now I can't, I can't just throw a costume together. I have to, like, super finish everything. Oops. <laughs> I blame both of you. <laughs> eh. <laughs> It'll be okay. I mean, it looks really, really pretty. I even, like, tapered the end so it wouldn't get all fat and clunky at the end of, of the seam so it, like, curves. Aww. Yeah, it's pretty. Love it. Right? Love it. But I love how this was totally going to be a, like, let's have some fun and I'm totally going to properly finish it anyway. Eh? Eh? I mean, I guess it's not as bad as your, what do you call them? Your flat felded? Flat fell seams. Yeah. I love flat seams. They're so pretty. I really should do those for Hinoto, but I'm a little afraid about of the amount of uh, time and effort they require. <laughs> I think they're totally worth it. They look gorgeous, and they sit super nicely and super flat. Well, and that's part of why I was thinking of using them, because I really need all her seams to sit nice and flat with all the freaking billion yards of fabric <laughs> because when i made this costume like back in like 2001 the kimono alone was six yards which is not gonna be sufficient it's gonna have to be at least 10 now i mean come on extra extra i mean obviously not gonna make it like a kimono it's gonna be like a kimono top with a giant circle skirt because that's what it actually is oh circle skirts also extra pretty and eat all the fabric yeah, I I went from, like, was going to go all out and spend, like, ridiculous amounts of money on this costume and then went, why, when I can probably do this <laughs> on a more limited budget? Because I still have red left from Harley. <laughs> well, you know. So now the game is, how many costumes can I get this red in? Because I still have an entire panel and that's 55 inches by 108. Well, and I always think that stash projects are super fun because you're just like so limited on what you can do. And you come up with all these super creative uses for fabrics and trims that you might not have used otherwise. Well, I also have four different kinds of purple satin. I mean, that's legit. Four <laughs> so. different kinds from four different projects. Oops. Oops. So outside of the white, I pretty much have, I mean, the the red silk taffeta that I have will not do the whole thing. It would have to be like a different red fabric underneath and the red that you actually see would have to be the silk taffeta because there's not enough of it to do a whole underdress, which would be far more comfortable anyway if the under part was cotton. And then the ends were the silk taffeta because the silk taffeta feels horrible next to your skin. <laughs> it's very stiff. 
Well, and whether or not that's going to work, too, is going to depend on how thick you need the red to be. Because if you're trying to make, like, bias tape to put on the end of a circle skirt, it's not going to go as far as you think that it's going to. Well, it depends on if I make bias tape to go on the end of a circle skirt or not, too. Who knows? Who knows? I don't know. The world is your oyster. I could use a completely different fabric for that, too, and make it look like it's on purpose. You could... You could get a different texture of fabric, which could be super fun. I think that actually is exactly what I would do, is I would just get a completely different fabric. Like, maybe I'll edge it in gold instead. Ooh, yeah. That could be pretty. Or in purple, because I have so much purple. So much purple. <laughs> I have so much purple. It's like... If you guys have any suggestions on purple satin, because apparently all the things that we bought it for... We've decided we're not going to use it for anymore. So two of the purple bridal satins were for Sinbad, which one of them we could use for Sayori's pants because it turns out she has purple satin pants. Because <laughs> that's a great idea for a ninja. Sayori from Ninja Shadow has the most absurd outfit on the planet, guys. I and love I, her. I really look forward to making it for Ash, but she in fact has purple satin pantaloons <laughs> and they're great <laughs> but then the other satin that i have left over is barrel one and barrel two right so there's like a good yard to two yards of barrel two and then all the fabric from barrel one because i took that dress completely apart yep <laughs> and that one was more of like a crushed faux velvet satin mm-hmm uh, and they're all different shades of purple. Not one of them matches. Well, of course not. But I could put different shades of purple in Hinoto and it would work fine. Because if you mash up all her designs together, you can like merge the red with the purple and it would all be fine. Because it was one of those where like, yes, I I could go all out and make this all out of silk and do all these things. But then, you know... I kind of had this thought with seeing a post about how, like, people think they can't compete because you need to have, like, professional studios and thousands and thousands of dollars to make, like, a fancy costume. And it's like, oh, no, you don't need to. Sometimes we do that. <laughs> but you don't need to. So then part of me was like, well, maybe I want to take the challenge of not taking the, like, taking a route less traveled for us and not buying specific fabrics for something and trying to use some of what I have. I like it. But I will need to order 10 yards of sanded satin and we'll see how many months it takes before that shows up. <laughs> because Joanne's likes to cancel your order right after you place it. That's rude. And the only place I can get the sanded satin that I like to use is Joanne's. Because it's the same one we use for Rare Earth. Right. And I think that that subtle texture is really nice against the harsher texture of the reds and the purples, which are far more shiny. I would agree with you. Yeah. Having seen both such fabrics in person. Right. I feel like it's a nice texture blend. So we'll see. Maybe maybe I'll try to place it because my guess is 10 yards because, guys, I am that person who does not measure out before I do things. I just guess what my yard is going to be. Which is why I have so many yards of purple satin sitting in my guest room. Well, and the one thing that I love about circle skirts is they're all math. I don't. 
love them because they're all math. <laughs> I do. I love it. I, I have to have help with my math, guys. So these next two projects are fun for me because they're all using like math and traditional Japanese patterns, which you don't actually like get out of a, uh, you know, Joanne fabrics. You have to like measure them all out. And I'm like, no, math, no. Yes, do it. Math, 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 math. I'm going to cry when I have to make Haka Mother and get thrown across the room. It'll be okay. It's all math. I don't like it. Also, why does he have gray striped gradient Hakama? <laughs> because he's extra. Why? Why, 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 why? I was pulling all our references for Ninja Shadow. The commissioner has great fashion taste. Oh, God. Ninja Shadow, please. I'll post. I'll post pictures of these characters. These outfits are ridiculous and I need them. But Ninja Shadow is an Atome game. Yep, it is. <laughs> and it's, it's magical. I'm still stuck because I refuse to pay money to it. So I haven't gotten very far. But um, I decided I was going to make Ukiyo. And he happens to have um, gray striped, apparently gradient dyed Hakama. But I'm going to have to get, like, specialty-made striped fabric that I then have to dye on top of that. Or, if you're getting specialty-made striped fabric, you could just incorporate the gradient into it. Maybe we'll just do that. Well, that sounds way easier. There's a lot of spoon flour in our future with this project. I'm excited. It'll be fun. Where we're going to take any of these projects, I don't know, because... I don't know. Whenever we get to go to cons again... I'm so excited I get to see you. I know. We finally like, get to see each other, guys, after three months of not seeing each other. <laughs> I know. It feels like forever. I know. It, well, it has been forever. We usually don't go more than two weeks. I know. The Rona has kept us apart. Not, not even the Rona can, can completely keep us apart. We'll defy the Rona to be together again. Yeah. <laughs> I can wear a mask and not touch my face. It's fine. Wash your hands. Wash your hands. Don't touch your face. Don't touch your face. Because no one wants to be separated from their friends for this long. It's so long. It's so long. We don't do well being separated. Mm-hmm. And yet, we're going to try to have conventions, which is one of the things we're going to talk about today. Weird. Because people think it's a good idea to have conventions during the Rona. I do have a podcast shout out before we go into um, what is going on with convention and cosplay since all of this started like three plus months ago. Please um, tell. But my podcast shout out for this week is the Anababes. And this podcast is your weekend geek with three friends named Yasmin, Salma, and Kamora. They are really good time to listen to. They talk about all sorts of different things, anime, pop culture, movies. Sometimes they get into more of the, um, you know, what's going on today, kind of in the news, some politics, but a little bit mix of everything. They do like to talk about their K-pop. They've also had the argument about whether or not dubs are valid. I agree with Salma, they're valid. I, too, do not listen to them that frequently, but I still do think they are valid. You need them. 
especially when you want to work on things and you don't want to read. That's always my big thing is if I want to legitimately sit down and watch something, um, I'll watch either depending on what's available. And if it's something I've seen before, if it's something I can actually sit down and focus on. But if it's something I'm putting on for like background noise while I'm sewing or doing something else, then I need a dub for that nine times out of 10. But they are a really good time to listen to. You can tell that the three of them are good friends and you kind of just want to hang out. Like legit, if they weren't all the way on the East Coast, they would be a really good time to hang out with. So if we ever go to the East Coast and they're also at the same convention, then we should have a crossover episode because that would be good times. I'm all about crossover episodes. Yeah. I, I think they're fun. We haven't had one yet, but I'm assuming they're fun, so... We'll see how they go. We have our first guest episode coming up in the near future. So again, that is the Anibabes. We will put their info in the um, description and in the Instagram post. You can pretty much find them whenever, wherever you get your podcasts. They also do some stuff on YouTube and will sometimes do some Instagram lives. They are also a newer podcast, so shout out. They um, started basically right when we did. So we're like paralleling. We're like pod sisters. Pod sisters, yes. Give them a listen. They are quite a good time. They can they give me a good giggle when I need it. Obviously, we won't be seeing them or anyone else in the near future at a con because everything, everything is, canceled. is canceled. But now everything is not canceled, oh which boy. is terrifying. When the cancellations first started, obviously, cons got into the online convention concept, which yep. has been, I, I re- really, there's no negative to it. Like, it's not, like, as far as a con goer, there's no negative to the online conventions. There were a lot of them when this first started, though. It gave people an outlet, especially in an uncertain time, and gave people something to do when they were cooped up, which is Especially was really nice when the weather was really junk and you couldn't just go outside and enjoy anything because it was cold or rainy and people were like, now my con's canceled and what am I going to do? And this sucks. So that was really cool. And then you had some people that actually started their own event that never had an event before and took that on upon themselves to kind of organize and oversee an online get together so to speak and then you had established conventions and companies that are like hey let's do this thing since we can't have our real event we still want to you know support our community and get everybody together and have a good time i've definitely noticed that the online conventions not connected to an established con have significantly slowed down because now we are in con season And how are you going to compete with an established convention? Right. I mean, Anime Expo is free. Well, and frankly, as somebody that was on a board for con multiple years, it sucks. (laughs) It's a lot of work. It's definitely a labor of love to put on a con to begin with. So I don't envy anybody that's doing that right now. You guys are superheroes. Noticed for the independent online conventions is they primarily are completely dependent upon the panelists to both promote and stream the content. 
So all they typically are providing is a Facebook page with links for content. Because in the beginning, none of the cons that were canceling said that they were going to do anything online. So you had several of them pop up right away going, hey, you know, cons are canceled, but let's go ahead and have this online thing from people that maybe have never organized events before. And there, a lot of them weren't charging anything, so they don't have a budget, per se, to spend on advertising. So really, it was just essentially ended up being a group of content creators coming together and mutually putting on a show. Although, I'm curious how they got their content to begin with, because unless I was subscribed already to a page for the organizer, I never even saw them until... Maybe like right before or right after they happened. Well, and a lot of them didn't have a lot of content. Or it was a small group of people doing all the content. Unlike when we did Arda and it was a ton of people because Arda is a known company. For a lot of them, yeah, like you had no idea they even existed. Until like the day of maybe because you happened to spot them on one of the like cosplay pages that you follow. The online thing, I think people didn't expect it to be as hard as it is because it's so dependent on your panelists. Because your panelist has to have the equipment to do an online panel. And that's... Everybody doesn't have that. You also can't even buy webcams right now. So... (laughs) Yeah, if you didn't already have a webcam and a mic, then you were probably going to be SOL on a lot of that because with everybody working from home and everything else, a lot of those items have been sold out with people needing to use Google Classrooms and Zoom, Skype, Discord for work and school. For some of your standard panels, you could use your phone. If it's just like a Q&A style panel and you're not needing a bunch of people to be present and, you know, you could Facebook Live through a phone, it become significantly more complicated when you have something like our shit cosplayers say where you need a powerpoint and other things to appear which means you need twitch and that was an adventure not everybody's panel is a good setup for distance presentation um some of the panels that we do would be awful and completely irrelevant if we did them not at an event. That's what I'm trying to figure out for Fusion right now is a list of at con and a list of if we're not at con because Mm -hmm. some of our panels will work great in person and some of them just don't or is there a way that I can convert a panel to work online? Will we be attempting to do it with both of us in the same place or will we still be doing it separated in completely different spaces because we also don't know that and all of those things you could do a performance panel if we're both in the same place on the same camera but if covid's crazy pants and we can't be in the same space again and we're trying to do it on twitch that's a completely different situation So it's all these like nuances that you have to think about and try to work around with this new medium that the majority of cosplayers are not used to doing. Our career cosplayers may have already had some background on this, but for a lot of the rest of us, this is a brand new concept. Like we aren't doing 
Instagram Q&As every week and Facebook demos every week. And so it was definitely a learning curve for the rest of us. Right. Yeah. You've got your people that normally deal with these particular types of media and then even your YouTubers and your Twitch affiliates that are doing live streams on the regular. And then you've got the rest of us that are just normally used to going to cons and trying to figure out a way to get it out to the masses. So it was it was an interesting experience. So I've seen some neat online things happening. People are getting more creative with some of the platforms. I watched an online burlesque show for our That's local fun. troupe, Bottoms Up Burlesque, did a fundraiser for Black Lives Matter, and we got to watch um, that one as well. They also did a bit of pride celebration. Happy Pride, everyone, even though we know this is actually going to come out in July because our dumbasses can't keep track of when our <laughs> our stuff actually airs. <laughs> We're recording this in June, but this is going to come out in July. <laughs> That's fair. We can, uh, we'll just celebrate Pride every day. I feel How's like <laughs> in the circle that we run, we do celebrate Pride every day. That is as it should be. Forever Pride, everyone. <laughs> but with the online conventions came online cosplay contests, which I still don't know how I feel about these. I mean, they're not my cup of no. tea, but I definitely see the appeal to them. They've also slowed down mm -hmm. in the wake of everything. Some of them have gotten more creative. I've seen more associated with cons that are canceling as opposed to independent ones popping up at this point. I think the independent ones are just too hard to do. Well, again, it's the same concept as the online cons. Like, you are coming out of nowhere, and depending on who's actually hosting the event, if you're nobody and you're trying to put this event together, then you're relying super heavily on either getting some super key competitors or super key judges that are willing to do this and possibly trying to get sponsorships or prizes and everything else. And that's just harder to do if you're not already networked in with a lot of people in the community. Like Anime Iowa is doing a haul contest that has a prize, but then they're doing a showcase for everybody else. So they're not judging craftsmanship or anything, which has been more common than not. I mean, I think that's because if you do have a cosplay head who knows about craftsmanship and you do have judges who know about craftsmanship... They all know that it's really hard to judge craftsmanship through a computer. It's definitely a different experience judging strictly based off of a portfolio as opposed to judging in person. Because then not only does the person have to be proficient at crafting, because if you've got a person that doesn't quote unquote judge well as far as speaking... If their craftsmanship stands out enough and if you've got quality judges, then typically the process will write itself because your judges will know the appropriate questions to ask to get the relevant answers that they need to judge the craftsmanship properly. But if you have somebody that submits a portfolio that is not good at doing portfolios, their craftsmanship might be huge compared to somebody else and... They just didn't showcase the right things or didn't put the right quality of photos in. Or maybe their digital camera on their phone sucks. I mean, there's so many factors to it outside of the actual crafting of the costume 
that are taken into consideration for their portfolio that it's just more difficult to judge all around. Well, I mean, the other flip side of that is you can also hide a lot more things in a portfolio contest. Well, yeah. I mean, you're going to select the photos that are going to best show off your work. Ideally. If only that eight inch portion of this seam on this massive dress looks good, that's the only seam you're going to show. I mean, that's just, that's the, I mean, smart way to do it. But portfolio contests make it a little bit easier to hide what's actually there. Lighting and all that jazz. A lot of times portfolio contests will say you can't use Photoshop. Mm-hmm. Um, to try to prevent that, um, C2E2 for Crown asks you to not Photoshop your photos. And someone actually tried to do kind of like an online crown. It was the ultimate online cosplay championship. So it was a like crown level competition, but it was portfolio only. And they did give out some pretty intense prizes. So like this is one of those contests where, because you know, the debate now is, will these online awards count? When we go back in person, well, I would say something like this. Absolutely. If you won the ultimate online cosplay championship against some of these people that like entered this contest. Yeah, that should count towards your award count, which then affects your level of craftsmanship division. I mean, it's the unfortunate thing with any of these types of contests, um, because no, no costume contests typically have the same exact same rules unless they're run by the exact same people. Very few of them that I've seen in the anime convention circuit will actually follow the International Costuming Guild guidelines, which takes not just your award count, but the size of the competition that you went to into consideration for when you're winning such awards and picking your placements. You could have the same problem where I made one costume and I submitted my costume five times to these different online contests and I got three awards for the same costume, whereas somebody else maybe made four costumes and got two awards well technically i have more awards than they do but they showed consistent quality of work more frequently it's going to be ultimately up to the cosplay contest directors so if you won an online contest and you are submitting your portfolio or information or filling out your form or what have you if you do not know which category you are in because you entered an online contest and won something Ask your cosplay coordinator. What? One, read the rules. Two, ask your contest coordinator. They are the only person that can answer your question regarding placement in your specific contest you're entering. So what I do like is a couple of these contests that have decided to get creative with the situation. Anime Expo decided to do a mask competition. So you had to design a PPE-style mask to go with an existing costume. The only thing that's being judged is the mask. I love it. <laughs> I got a creative bug, and I made one for Judar that I entered. So we'll see. There's some really fun ones. If you go to the Anime Expo Lite link, it'll take you to the the masquerade page and if you try to open the submission it'll show you a gallery and you can actually see everybody that's in there there's some pretty creative people out there but i really like it because i really want to normalize this concept of wearing masks because i think we're gonna have to do it for a while if we want to go to con yeah well and it's just so easy to take scrap fabric and make something that goes 
But yeah, I grabbed some scrap fabric and some gold paint and some beads and I made myself a mask. I also made one for Harley and then realized I couldn't enter her. So that's when I made Judar. <laughs> I have a rhinestone mask now. I mean, I might need it. Doesn't everybody? I'm probably going to need it at some point. Let's be honest. Yeah. You know what contest I really want to have? Tell me. So a lot of us cosplayers turned to plants instead of cosplay during all of this. <laughs> and I really want to have a cosplayer plant competition. No, what exactly would that entail? They'd have to submit a picture of their plant and tell us a little bit about like the type and the care and one fun fact about their plant. And then we would have ridiculous categories for plants, like <laughs> best use of color and <laughs> who knows what else. I don't know. I haven't thought it that far, but I want to cosplay plant competition. <laughs> oh, because so then. many cosplayers now have like a garden of plants both outside and inside of their homes because they become plant parents instead of cosplaying. It could be a Alrighty thing. then. You did not turn I... to plants, so you don't understand. I don't understand. I did not turn to plants. Sky Pirate understands this. I, I believe you. Because I have a bunch of plants all over my house. But eventually, we'll be able to move from plants to cosplay. Because someday, we'll have conventions. But there are some states that think it's a good idea to have conventions now. Some states also get nine to 10,000 new cases a day. Yeah, 10,000 was like Saturday, I think. <sighs> this would be about two weeks ago now, I think. Florida decided to have a convention. Yeah, Florida, Florida, the place that is having like 10,000 cases in a day now, had a one-day, one-room convention. And a blog called Tom C. Room did an article on it, and we'll put the link in the description. Yes, he was very curious as to what, you know, safety measures they were going to take, cleanliness, etc. Keep in mind, Florida is one of the states that kind of is COVID is a hoax, so to speak. So they're not really following distancing procedures. Masks are kind of, eh, whatever. On top of the fact that they have a lot of tourism. So keep that in mind about Florida. The author goes to this show and, like, gets there. And he realizes, like, from the get-go, this is going to be a problem. Like, people are just amoebaing outside of the door of this place, right? They're not distancing. They're not wearing masks. He's like, oh, great. This is going to be great. You know, goes to buy his ticket. And he asked the guy there, like, so what are your safety procedures? And the guy's like, what are you talking about? He's like, well, you know, like, you're cleaning. He's like, basically, the guy looks at him and goes, it's your choice to be here or not. We don't need to do anything extra. Hmm. So they literally ran this con just like they would have run a con any other time. Tom goes in, and there's, like, 300-something people in this room not distancing not wearing masks. There's no cleaning going on. Go look at the photos on this article because it is terrifying. Now, literally like two days later is when they got that 2,000 person jump. And less than a week later is when they hit 10,000 in a day. So not, not accumulatively. Like Florida went 8, 9, 10 within a three-day period. Florida. 
There's a reason why people look up Florida man does X. This is why. <laughs> Florida man uh, goes to a con. Like, well, and I'm just thinking with all those tourists, COVID has an incubation period. So, like, they're going to go to Florida and then go home. Oh, I know. And then they're going to bring it to all and the people. And then those numbers are going to be reported in their home state. So that doesn't include the people that got COVID while they were in Florida and then went back to their home states. But wearing a mask is oppression, and I just can't bear it. No? <laughs> are you sure? I hope you all can hear the sarcasm in my voice. Uh... Well, and everyone's like, I can't breathe. And I'm like, if they trust brain surgeons to wear surgical masks, you're fine. You're getting enough oxygen. Healthcare professional here. No, you will not die from CO2 inhalation from your mask. It doesn't get trapped in the mask. The particles are small enough it goes through and the oxygen comes through and you're fine. You will not make yourself more sick by wearing a mask. It doesn't work that way. The germs aren't going to incubate more because you are keeping <laughs> them closed within your body. No, I'm sorry. I, I had somebody uh, ask me this, so I have to, I have to oh, clarify it this. It hurts me. You have to breathe a little bit differently. So you have to theater breathe where you need to breathe more deep into your stomach than shallow breathing from your chest because we're used to being able to shallow breathe and that actually isn't very efficient. So you do have to learn how to breathe a little bit differently, but your two layers of cotton and a layer of filter is not going to prevent you from breathing. Wear your mask and don't touch your face. And wash your hands. Because if you are going to try attending some of these cons, you are going to need to follow safety practices. Now, on the flip side of this Florida man con... Florida man is a couple of the cons that we're having here in Iowa. So if you don't know about Iowa, we are very open because we have someone in charge who basically doesn't believe in the coronavirus at all. We've never we never closed. So we were one of the like two states that never actually shut down. And currently pretty much everything is open. Places are shutting down as needed for COVID cases. So we're having a lot of the same issues of like Texas and Florida where they're open for two weeks. Somebody uh, tests positive for COVID, they have to close again. But because we are open, we are one of the states now, including Georgia, Florida, Texas, Ohio, who are going to have this problem with being able to cancel because if our state is open and the venue wants to have the convention... The convention happens. Yup. Because what is that insurance thing again that needs to kick in? Force majeure is what it's called. Force majeure. Uh, major force. Act of God, essentially. We actually talked about that at work today. Everybody was super surprised that I knew what that word was. They're like, it's some French thing. Can't remember what it was. And then the super fancy person with the PhD was leaving and I was like, are you talking about force majeure? He goes, oh, that's it. (laughs) And then I told one of my bosses and he's like, why do you know that? (laughs) 
I was like, I had to know it for outside of here. Because we have a cosplay podcast and we had to talk about it. Like, I think this is the fourth time we've talked about this on this podcast. Could be. But he had me write it down for him and everything. He's like, I'm going to go look that up so I can keep a copy of it on my desk. So yes, force majeure now can't kick in because certain states have decided we're no longer in a pandemic. Wow, is that all it took? Pretty much, yeah. That's exactly what oh, has happened. We're not in a pandemic anymore? Apparently, if, you're, if your governor decides that you're no longer in a pandemic, somehow magically COVID is gone. Oh, that's beautiful. I mean, that's what our president seems to think, so. Oh. You know where people from Iowa are not going on vacation? The European Union. That's right. We are no longer allowed to go to Europe, guys. So even if icl had happened we wouldn't be allowed in spain anymore nope because the u.s is banned from europe because we suck at covid (laughs) because we suck at covid (laughs) so here's what's going down with some conventions right now on fourth of july weekend there's a twenty thousand person car show outside yep there sure is. is happening my understanding is they are mandating masks and and whatnot, because they are run by the same people who run QuadCon. Now, here is a flip side, where if somebody going to have to have an event, let them do it like QuadCon is doing it, because at least they're trying. So QuadCon, much like the Florida convention, is a one-room convention. So we've been to this one before, and yep, literally it's a square, and you have... A square of vendors on the outside and a square of vendors on the inside and a hallway in between, right? Right. And then usually there's like a little side area where they'll do some speakers, quote unquote, panel programming, the costume contests and stuff like that. Normally, in a normal year. There will not be any in-person paneling or probably no contest, but they're still figuring that out. They might do like a hall contest where you take people's picture kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But they're going to be controlling the amount of people that are in there at a time, enforcing six-foot distancing. Masks are required or you cannot come in. They're going to try to use some different distancing markers to help people be aware of staying apart. So from what I can tell, their idea is you come in one way, go around and come out. That's basically it. Because that's Mm -hmm. what it is. It's It's a dealer's room. I mean, that's essentially what QuadCon is. And that's what this Florida one was, too. But look at the drastic difference. Right. Where one is trying to find a happy medium and be responsible and still be able to help vendors and, you know, have their show that they booked. Where the other place just didn't care about the safety of either their attendees or their vendors. It's definitely going to be the struggle for a lot of people now is even if you want to cancel... You probably can't afford to cancel depending on your contract with your venue. And if you happen to like your venue, you don't want to cancel on them anyway because they might be more hesitant in the future to book you if you just drop them flat. So you're worried about losing money and staying in business. You're worried about your vendors who a lot of them have been essentially out of work this entire time because they rely on cons and events like this financially to support their families because this is their full-time job and you also want to serve the community because everybody's been cooped up and is super bummed because it's con season and there's no cons to go to but at the same time you want to make sure that 
your attendees are safe, that your staff is safe, your volunteers are safe, your vendors are safe. Like, you don't want to be known as COVIDCon, where everybody came to your convention and got it. Well, and I think QuadCon's being run better because it's run by a vendor. Their head of operations is very aware of wanting to keep the vendors safe and still giving them the opportunity to make money. People are getting all up in arms because things aren't canceling, but some people are just stuck. I mean, Dragon Con was the most recent big one. Um, They did something really interesting, which I think is going to pave the way for expectations of other conventions. I would agree. So Dragon Con, my understanding is there's like four main hotels. Two of them, and this was probably maybe like three weeks ago, decided to allow people to roll their rooms to 2021 or cancel without penalty, which is huge, guys, because Dragon Con has a legacy program. You cannot get a room for Dragon Con unless you've always had a room for Dragon Con. Right, because this is one of those cons that it's practically impossible to get a room to. Like about a week later, the other two hotels follow suit. Then Dragon Con allows you to roll your badge to the following year. A Dragon Con badge is like $100. And they are allowing you to roll your badge to next year. Still, as of today, is not canceled. But we're also not in that six-week window. Georgia is open. So if the city wants to have it and the venue wants to have it, Dragon Con will have to happen whether it's safe or not. I wonder how the legacy program is going to work going forward, though, because let's say in 2020, if the convention doesn't actually cancel, you've got your people that already moved their room to 2021, and then you've got maybe some people that fill in those spaces. Are only the original people going to be able to get rooms for next year? Or is it going to be a free-for-all between everybody that actually stayed at the hotel for all the spots that are left from the people that didn't roll over? I don't think they're just going to fill those rooms in. Mm. But I don't know. That's a good question. Because, yeah, that'll cause a a hot mess. But my guess would be if they're allowing them to roll the rooms over, they're probably not going to fill them in. Or if they do, they won't count for legacy. Which kind of brings us to what cons do and do not control. Colossal Con's been the other big one for a variety of reasons, but we're just going to cover the more Colossal Con-based headache where people are bashing Colossal Con due to the practices currently going on at the Kalahari Resort. Colossal Con doesn't own the Kalahari. Colossal Con is a customer. Yes. Colossal Con only rents the convention space. They only have control over the convention space. They will not have control over the hotel or the water park. Nope. So if you are worried about your safety, go ahead and look at what the owner of the Kalahari is doing now, which is basically nothing, to follow any procedures whatsoever. I know everybody really wants Colossal Con to happen. It will probably have to happen. Is it going to be safe? Not if Colossal Con can't control the most popular space, which is the water park. That is the one thing that I've noticed from when we've gone to Colossal Con is that, yeah, usually the convention center is busy, but the really packed areas are all of your common areas. It's your water park and your fields and the 
fun little statues and stuff that are outside for photo meetups or where you're going to cram all these people in the arcade. But there's a large number of people that go to Colossal Con that do not buy a badge. Well, yeah, they're just there to party with their friends for a discounted Kalahari room. Well, I mean, if we were to go this year, we wouldn't need a badge. We can't compete. The masquerade is full. So what do we need a badge for? I mean, yep. If if the panel programming is already picked and the masquerade is already full, those are the two things that we do when we go to con. So, yeah. Their panel programming doesn't close till July 13th. Oh. I did submit chick cosplayers say, but it doesn't close till July 13th. Is it likely that we're going to go to Colossal Con? <laughs> no. <laughs> Not only because I wouldn't be safe, but like the whole point is the water park. And if I can't go in the water park... I don't see the point of spending the thousands upon thousands of dollars that it costs to go to Colossal Con. We don't live anywhere near the Kalahari, so it's a very expensive convention for us to attend. You know, you can dislike the Kalahari all you want for the Kalahari, but just know that, like, Colossal Con's not going to be able to control those spaces, and you may want to take that into consideration if that's a concern for you if you are choosing to go to Colossal Con. I'm really holding out hope of hopes that they will let us roll our rooms to 2021 but the Kalahari is not as organized as the hotels for Dragon Con so I don't I don't have high hopes for that happening right it'd be great you know it would be awesome but I guess we'll have to wait and see what happens right another convention that may kind of show us what cons might look like more in the spring because we are significantly behind Europe so what Europe's going to do in the fall is probably going to be our spring at the rate that we're going. Japan Weekend Madrid is actually happening. Which, for those of you that remember, would have been the host event for the International Cosplay League, where we were supposed to compete in September. So some of the things that they will be doing, they won't be having any large stage events. So no raves, no concerts, no contests. They're putting in hygiene stations. They're requiring masks. They're going to be significantly limiting the amount of attendees that can be in the convention center. I'm really curious for how this is going to go because it's a huge space and a ton of people go there. But kind of like McCormick Place, they were a hospital. They were set up to be a hospital not that long ago. Actually, some people that we know from Japan Week in Madrid got COVID and then were in the hospital in the convention center. So it should be it should be really interesting to see what they do. And how that turns out. There are some other conventions that are known for funneling people in like one or two places and out one or two places already. Um, Emerald City Comic Con gets a lot of shit for that. So does Katsukon. You know, and even C2E2, like there weren't exactly a lot of ways in or out. Like we had a couple options, but that it's it's going to take a long time to get in. And when they hit a certain number, it stops. And then... When somebody exits, someone else can come in. It's going to take a lot of walkie-talkies. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a lot of a lot of chatter back and forth. And a lot of times when I've seen that, typically it's not legit a one-for-one. One. Like, they'll let the appropriate number of people in, but then your person at the exit door is going to count. And let's say they hit 50 people. They'll be like, well, 50 have left, and then they'll let another 50 in. Right. And then they'll wait, and then however long that takes for another 50 people to leave and be like, all right. Are they going to have to, like, your ticket is from this hour to this hour. 
Because some cons have awful. actually talked about doing something like that, where you have a designated time terrible. in which you're allowed to come and you need to leave by. Anime St. Louis is actually one of those. Anime St. Louis actually did something probably really smart, and they've already put out a survey about what people will tolerate next year in the event hmm. that we're still struggling with COVID come April, which, at the rate we're going, we could still be struggling with COVID in April. Yep. But they basically want to know, what will you tolerate and then thusly pay for an event with these restrictions? And one of them was limiting the capacity with using times in the dealer's room, in the convention hall, etc. Now, the hard part about that is, what if the panel you want to see is at this time, but you got, you know, your panels that you want to see is at seven, but you got between two and four. So I think conventions are going to have to think about doing some of that virtual streaming if they're going to really limit the amount of people that can come into a convention center. I think that the the time slots are really only going to work in places that you can legitimately clear the entire area. Yes. Maybe main events and then like your dealer's room is going to be about it. And then you're going to have to essentially like pick a time frame every hour, every half hour, whatever, and kick everybody out. Again, though, I think that it would be easier if you just kept a running tab of, okay, we can have up to this many people in. Okay, these people have left, so we can add more. I mean, on this particular survey, it was times for the convention center as a whole. Yeah, and I don't know how you would enforce that. That would be very difficult, I think. They mentioned that cosplay might not be allowed inside the convention center. I'm not quite sure how cosplay has anything to do with covid but that was on there, and that's come up a few times, and I haven't figured out what the connection is between cosplay increasing the likelihood of COVID. Maybe they just don't want people stopping to take photos in the hallway. Maybe, or space, because cosplays take up a lot of space. So it might be more cosplays that are X size are not going to be permitted. They can only limit capacity in indoor, so then their concern is, what are people going to do outside? Hang out, like they always do. They did put in there that there's a possibility of, like, no raves or, like, the main event stuff, which includes no cosplay contest. And for me, that's a deal breaker. Right. Like, Because that's why we go to cons usually. If I'm not working for the con and I can't compete, I'm not going to come. Like, it's just... That's why we go to conventions. It's like, it's not my thing. The convention center is doing something really interesting. They're actually putting in like this futuristic air purification system, which I guess (laughs) a lot of buildings are starting to look at this to help try and like filter out contaminants and viruses, which if convention centers did this, could you imagine like it might impact Concred? That would be amazing. Wouldn't it? I mean, I'm kind of hoping that maybe if people adopt some of these practices for the future we can significantly reduce concrete in general if they did those or if they put in some of those like uv lights that they use for like disinfecting i also believe they've got like foggers you can use yes there is a fogger that's an antiviral so once everybody clears out then security sweeps the floor and make sure nobody's there then they can fog it to help kill contaminants yep so that at least when you come in in the morning you're starting with fresh sleep So you mean we have to get there in the morning and then not come back so we can have the fresh air? (laughs) Or we'll just wear masks and use hand sanitizer and not touch your face. Is it a good idea to attend a con right now, even though they're happening? Probably not. I mean, we hate to be the 
there is a bad news, but unless the convention's outside, that's probably not a great plan. I mean, with masks on everybody, it becomes significantly more safe, as long as everyone is wearing them properly. I've seen a lot of articles that have come out that most of the protests have not been the cause of the significant COVID spikes. That's because everybody's wearing a mask. And trying to distance. Yes, because if we all could just handle having a piece of cloth in front of our face, this could end. Yo, what? Because I'm pretty sure almost everything I do in my life, I can do with a mask on my face. Except eat. Yep. Pretty much 90% of the things I need to do in my life, I can do with a mask on. So if you are going to go, because I know some of y'all are going to go anyway. Please, please, please be safe. Wear a mask. You can make a mask that matches your costume. It's not going to ruin your cosplay. Like, make a sweet mask that matches. Bring some hand sanitizer. Wash your hands. And don't touch your face. And I know it's going to be hard, especially because there's going to be people that you haven't seen and that you're excited to see, but try to keep your distance as much as possible. That is the hard part, especially when it's been, like, eons. You can, like, elbow side hug. Elbow bumps. You can rub elbows and yeah. fist bump instead of high fives and handshakes. Well, I mean, I guess you could handshake if you wash your hands right away. <laughs> Before and after. Before and after. Being open doesn't mean safe. No. Think about whether or not... Going to that convention for a couple days is going to be worth being sick for two to three weeks to possibly months. Or giving it to somebody else that you care about. Or giving it to somebody that you don't care about, because let's let's be real here. Like I would hate to think that it would have to hit home for somebody to take it seriously, because it is such a serious illness. There are people that have died. There's a lot of people that have died. There are a lot of people that have been put into medically induced comas and put on respirators. There are a lot of people with permanent lung damage. I would hate for that to happen to any of you. I don't want it to happen to anybody else because of me either. Unfortunately, it does seem like, at least in our country, that unless it hits home, people really don't understand how to take it seriously. Which is why we can't go to Spain. It's exactly why we can't go to Spain. So get your asses together. (laughs) Wear your masks. Wear your masks. Save lives. Masks save lives. To protect the world from devastation. Yep. Unite all peoples within our nation. We can denounce the evils of germs and something (laughs) else. There you go. Extend our reach to the stars above. Team Rocket, blast off at the speed of light. Surrender now or prepare to fight. Meowth, wash your hands. Wow. (laughs) For real though, guys. Stay safe. Don't be Florida man. Wear a mask. Don't touch your face. Wash your hands. I'm Ashlyn. I'm Al. We are Lavi Cosplay. And this is Shit Cosplayers Say. Don't touch your face. <laughs> Shit Florida Man Cosplayers Say. Just wear a mask. <laughs> wear a mask. Just do it. <laughs> Don't let your dreams, dreams be, be dreams. dreams. Just do it. You've been listening to Shit Cosplayers Say, an LVC production. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Podcast SCS. Our website is lavicosplay.com. Have a fun, crazy con or cosplay-related story, absurd cosplay question, or just something in general to share with us? Email us at podcastscs at gmail.com. Thank you for listening, and remember, just because you can... 
doesn't mean you should.